Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's Sweetheart. With America's Sweetheart. Oh, my God. The Queen, the of, queen Glendale. of Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everyone. I'm Molly McAleer, and with me today, as always, is my co-host, Tiffany Maddox. Hey, girl. Hi. Hello. How's it going? I'm so psyched to wrap up this year with you. You know, time is a real strange thing the last Mm -hmm. few years. It has been wild. It has really been like... It's either everything either feels like a minute or a month. There is no in between. Like I cannot wrap my head around time. I'm late for everything. I I just can't I just can't comprehend it. Yeah, and internet news also it moves so quickly. That's like the unique nature mm. of our podcast too is that you're just reminiscing about things that happened last month all the time. Yeah. Because it feels so long ago. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm kind of surprised by some of the stories we dug up for this year-end wrap-up. Maybe we, at the very end, we can say what our favorite stories of this year were. Yes. I mean, I was thinking that perhaps at some point we could do our own version of the Emmys or the Golden Globes. Like, I know there is the Webbies, but there should be the Trendies. And we can I like assign agree. our own stuff. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's actually, that's beyond brilliant. Oh, wait, guys, this is exciting. A little bit of a callback to last week. Advent calendars. So I ordered an advent calendar back in October. I kind of forgot about it. As I do with most online purchases, like I'm not a tracker I kind of just put my credit card information in, and if I come back to a package in a few months, I'm, like, thrilled. Well, I ordered a Taylor Swift advent calendar, and do you remember that Miley Cyrus article that she – it was, like, an interview she did where she was talking about how she likes to glue plastic shit to other plastic shit? (laughs) No. I didn't read that. That sounds amazing, though. It was like post-Bangers era when she was like in the Miley Cyrus and her dead pets era. And she 
was she did an art exhibit. I I looked it up last night because I was trying to like justify what I was originally thinking when I bought this, because why would I, a woman at my grown age, need a bunch of plastic knickknacks relating to Taylor Swift around? And I remembered that when I ordered it, my goal was to hot glue all of it to like the base of a lamp or like a lampshade. Now, what that craft looks like, I don't know. What Where would I put it in my house? I don't know. I kind of thought like, <laughs> I would give it away on offer up, you know, maybe like some weird family would want it. This advent calendar arrives. Tiffany, I I believe I spent $80 on it. Holy fucking shit. I know. But I was like, I had lost my mind. It was like, at the time, I didn't even really consider all the content possibilities, but I just, I bought it in this weird thing where I'm like, I've never done an advent calendar. Like, this might be kind of interesting. Maybe I can glue all this shit to a lamp. This, this advent calendar arrives yesterday. I'm blown away. I cannot believe that this thing is on my porch. I never expected it to come. I opened the package and it's like, maybe like a tackle box type of box where The bottom of it is covered, but you can tell that there's all these little individual compartments. However, the front of the advent calendar was not what I was, you know, thinking I purchased. It's like some sort of strange anime, which let's be real. All anime is strange to me because I don't know anything about it. And that's how my very provincial mind works. But I think I'm going to be TikToking it on our little TikTok account. So if not... Maybe you and I will do a Zoom. We can open it there. We're going to try and be trying to be giving you guys like as much content as we can during this time because (laughs) during this trying time, (laughs) during this trying time, because we also, you know, we, we want to try and take our Christmas breaks. um, And that's why we're giving you this roundup. But I think Tiffany and I are, are just both addicted to output. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had a day today where I was like, because I'd been having this insane week, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do pretty much nothing for most of the day. And then, you know, I'll do the pod, which I love doing. And I felt like itchy. And I think that's like the true disease of like how capitalism finds its way into your blood and in your bones is that like, if I have shit to do, then I want to do nothing. But if I really give myself the chance to do nothing, I feel like I could be making something, I could be recording something, I could be, look, I could be making a piece of incredible digital art. Yeah, (laughs) yes. I'm the unwell. same way, girl. My mom, it's like my disease, honestly. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, all oh, Molly does is work, but it's true. Like, because I feel like a lazy sack of shit. My Capricornian right. ass cannot handle it. And I, uh, it's like, I have something to offer the world. Like, even if I don't, I feel that way. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you, did I show you my Christmas tree? I made a bunch of decorations for it. I actually made them last year, but I got them out this year and I was like, this was my first uh, hot glue Christmas. I feel pretty good about it. I haven't seen, and everyone was stunned by your beautiful skeleton that we posted to our Instagram. So Tag us in your Christmas decorations and I'll repost them to our Instagram. Yes, please. So I did I did an under the sea themed Christmas because I felt like that seemed appropriate. 
and I got some scallop shells and a hot glue gun and I kind of lost my mind a little bit <laughs> just just a touch just a tad one but thing you need to know about what Tiffany just sent me is that if you're expecting some sort of shitty little like Christmas tree you're gonna be fucking disappointed your like crafts that you're like oh I made this like kooky craft it's like a reverse malls like you're like oh I like you're like the kid being like I I did so bad on the test like I only got like an a minus like Tiffany these are beyond I could never make something like this in my life oh you I believe me you could I swear it it they look very good from a distance but they are a little jank up close and look you are wearing a wedding ring because you are actually really married I know, I know. <laughs> I snuck that detail in. <laughs> I've really got to keep up the lie. <laughs> so if just before guys, I took the photo, I slipped it on. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, please check out our Patreon because Tiffany and I did a bonus episode in which I confessed to her that it. And <laughs> I saw one of your followers on Twitter be like, "Like how rude or whatever that I thought your marriage was fake." What that person doesn't understand is I'm an idiot. So like it doesn't, it's not, a, it's not a reflection on you and your marriage. It's truthfully, the punchline is that I'm a fucking idiot. And like, I just, <laughs> you know, I write my own narrative and I don't know for some, I didn't think it was fake in a bad way, but listen, Tiffany's really married. We love her husband. He's fantastic. Actually, He's I told good. her that I didn't even know who her husband was. Turns out that he interviewed me many years ago. <laughs> So not only is he real, but I've spoken to him before. (laughs) And he's the entire reason why I'm on this podcast with you in this moment right now. He did that. That is true. I, but like for as far as I, you know, I could have been corresponding with a Nigerian email scammer telling me that he wants his wife to be on the podcast instead of him. That could have been absolutely the way that things were going as far as I was concerned. I live in my own reality. Speaking of, let's get right into (laughs) January of 2021. We kick it off strong with the insurrection that was organized largely on Parlor back on January 6th. That is so wild. This feels like it was 4 million years ago. Joe Biden hasn't even been president for a whole year. He hasn't been. And at this point, he wasn't president yet. That's what's so no. crazy is no. a lot has happened. Uh, the, those insurrectionists are still, they're now sort of getting their days in court. Did you see one of the insurrectionists? I believe it was the woman who like flew the private jet out there, the real estate agent. She was on Instagram Live or something and did a video about how she's planning on doing a lot of yoga during her oh. two months in there, she's going to be getting nice and fit. Like she basically. Oh, that she was, a, she was an insurrectionist. I thought she was just like an, like a nutcase. She, oh my God. Yeah. Holy she's God. one of the insurrectionists and she's like, I'm just going to like use this time to get really skinny, which it, it reminds me of my delusion where it's like, I kind of in the past I've thought, God, you know, in some ways like jail would be a great way to unplug, which is Hondo so, pig. it's so. <laughs> delusional it's so upsetting it's actually incredibly insulting yeah I've felt that way before but when I think of just like you know there's no option except to just stare at a wall which my ADHD ass can do (laughs) that sounds it's always sounded like something I need however if I was actually about to go I would not be that delusional no 
No, and diet culture is so prevalent <laughs> that a jail sentence is an excuse for a detox. That is wild. But um, fuck, that's wild. I did not realize that she was one of them. I'm on, I don't really check it so much, but you know, there's that Reddit capital consequences. Yeah. And it kind of tracks all of the, all of the consequences of the, of those actions, which is pretty good and uh, feels like a, a delicious kind of sorting and calming place in the internet of like bringing order to chaos as it was like something that just felt completely chaotic it's like oh okay good there are consequences but lest we forget we also had um our girl from where was she from who got maced she was the meme girl from the capital like riots fuck oh and not ashley babbitt the one who was shot right no, I'm thinking of the woman who, um, her, her, like, the audio of her became a TikTok sound and she was like, I got maced. I was going to start a revolution. Yeah. No, like, they're still, I'll see them still pop up in the comments sometimes. Like, the people that are like, how, I, I still don't understand how this is different than BLM. Like, we didn't even kill anyone or whatever. And I'm like, no, like, like three cops died and like two have killed themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it's interesting. It's interesting and the QAnon shaman has had quite a year as well. Mm. What a year. What a year. What a way to kick it off. 2020 coming in 2021 coming in hot, I should say. So we know I'm January 10th. That's my birthday. But more than my own birthday, I've always been obsessed with January 8th because it's Elvis's birthday. And I know I I feel like Elvis is like a father figure to me. Like I had a legitimate mental breakdown when I went to Graceland. Even my tour guide cried when I left. Okay, Aww. that's not normal for a tour guide at Graceland to like cry <laughs> because you're freaking out so bad. Is like okay, I must have really I don't know. I guess I must have been very moving, but driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo has only been out for less than a year and it came out on January 8th and what a year for her she has like seven Grammy nominations now mm. did you listen to Sour um I did I would say it probably didn't resonate with me I mean as much as I feel like it would have if I was maybe 16 like if I was 16 that would be my shit for real but it was a very accomplished record I'm seeing like a lot of drama with my because you know Olivia's Swifty adjacent at this point because she's such a vocal fan of Taylor Swift. And mm -hmm. a lot of my Taylor Swift people have been talking about how she is doing an arena tour that I'm uh, not sorry, not an arena tour, like a maybe a, I don't know. It's like those venues that can max do like 5000 people, which is crazy because she's like the biggest artist of the year by far also mm -hmm. has like such a huge range of fans like I'm with you I I enjoy like the radio singles I feel like she also has that unique quality to a record where somehow we're all peripherally familiar with every track just because it's received so much play. Yes. Which is rare right like most of the times like the B sides of an album aren't they don't they're not part of like, you know, the public's consumption. Yeah. But there was lines. I guess they had queues of up to 40,000 people in some cities trying to buy tickets to Olivia's show. And 
this statement that her team made or she might have made uh, about why the venues were so small was because she doesn't want to skip any steps, which I think is is interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. how many how many Olivia Rodrigo fans are going to be around for the next tour? If like this is because that's such a huge part of the business. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like a moment too. Like there's such a, there's a finite amount of time when you release like an album like that, that you can really like, that you have to lay the neck, you basically have to lay the next stage of the career on top of that. Otherwise it's just like, it kind of, it kind of washes back into the sea. It's like sandcastles, like there'll be another heartbreak album and she's incredibly talented and they're great songs, but you know, people are fickle. It, they are fickle for sure. And it's not her fault that she wasn't able to do, I think, what most new artists do their first year, which is just tour yeah. nonstop. She wasn't really given that opportunity to do that. But yeah, this sort of small tour, especially she has like Gracie Abrams, who I know is a big artist. And I feel like so many people would go just for her to a venue that size. I wonder I wonder really like what the actual plan is with that because it doesn't make sense money wise. I think she's capable of I understand not wanting to do like a like staple center mm-hmm. as your first tour. That's that's a massive undertaking. But there has to be somewhere in the middle. I don't know. I I feel for the fans that are left out on that because that was that was kind of like the song of the year. Yeah, but I, I wonder if there's like a like a marketing technique here about just again like creating scarcity. Like maybe this is the Kylie Lipka of touring, so you just have a very limited release. Like the people that went will be the people that went, and so will therefore like share their like iPhone footage of them at the place, like creating this kind of FOMO, so that the next time she does it, maybe it feels like oh, we open it up a little bit wider. Like maybe we're creating something that feels exclusive, which I don't know may or may not be a good thing. Well, also just to the idea of like not skipping steps, it's like, well, steps for who? Like an emo band? Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you, I think most artists would love to skip those struggle steps. Yeah, very true. I don't know. This is my favorite story of the year. Jojo Siwa came out and ends homophobia, just completely ended it. She just ended it overnight. I love Jojo. I would legitimately like... I don't know. I would take a bullet for her. I think <laughs> I really do love her a lot, and it's it's like a very pure kind of love. Like I just want to make sure that she's okay, and I think she definitely will be okay. But like I don't know, she's such a ball of light, and I think that her coming out will have done the world of good to so many like young people all over the world. Like significant. I can't think of a more significant coming out in the last few years. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And especially to be in the position that she's in, where she has so much potentially to lose from this as a children's entertainer. That's like, you know, when your audience is three and four year olds, like there's so many parents that will walk away from something simply because there's any sort of mention of sexuality at all, let alone, you know, so many people in this country who are like, my four-year-old daughter is not wearing some, you know, gay bow on her head. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know this bow is pushing the gay agenda, which by if by the way, I don't know how you could consume any of JoJo Siwa's content and not realize that you're a part of the gay agenda. <laughs> she has been telegraphing for some time. 
But yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of her. I have to tell you truly, I like cried watching her on Dancing with the Stars because like it was just so, I don't know, I'm in my maternal era. I also am a complete soft bitch. Like any mm-hmm. sort of hardness I had died on March 13, 2020. And I just like <laughs> gave into crying all the time, especially at TikTok. <laughs> and there's just something about like, I don't know. It's like, I'm just so happy for her. Like I, there are so many things that exist with this younger generation that there just was not space for in our generation. And I think that, you know, it was a big deal when Ellen came out, but Ellen was like established in her career. She already had a sitcom called Ellen when she came out. She was like a, you know, massive celebrity and it was still so much on the line for her. And, you know, granted that was, I don't know what, was that 30 years ago? No, it Mm. wasn't 30 years ago, but it was like 25 years ago. It's just very brave for, at the time, 17 year old girl. Hundo P, the bravest, the, just the bravest thing. Like there are still people who exist in Hollywood who still aren't out and still probably never come out. Um, I mean, look, I mean, Kevin Spacey only really came out amidst some pretty horrific allegations, but like he probably would have remained firmly in the closet. Was that not the case? And this, like this, this generation, the Gen Zers, whatever, like they're built different. And I can't imagine, I don't know, it feels like she has a really good circle of people around her, um, but I can't imagine the, like, the bravery that it would have taken. Like, that and Nikki tutorials were two, like, I think, watershed, like, internet coming out moments mm-hmm. that kind of, that just did such a huge amount. I mean, really, truly, and it's not on the Nikki tutorials thing, it's not in here, but Nikki did host Eurovision this year to be the first trans woman to ever host Eurovision, which has not made it to your shores, but um, that was a pretty big deal too. So all hail the gays and thank you, Jojo. But I think that like for most of the public's awareness of her, especially even back on Dance Moms, there was there's always this question with underage stars, right? In terms of, Who's really running the show? What's, you know, who's pulling the strings? Is this person doing this slightly against their will? Does this person even know that they don't have to be working at this age? And when JoJo just decided to post a picture of her in a t-shirt that said best gay cousin ever, (laughs) it was, it was very clear that she was, uh, she's truly the one running the show. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, for sure proud of her okay so little known story about the background of this podcast when we were first developing the show coming to like uh, figuring out a name was like something that I was it was very important to me that we had like the right name to launch with and what you guys might not know about me is I'm silly okay I'm a real (laughs) silly bitch and at the time there was this like trend going on on TikTok with this dog named Pudgy where his owner would go up to Pudgy who's just sort of like a little chihuahua. I I obviously am endeared to this because of wagon stuff. And I I think like that was so much of it for me is I was just like, oh God, I love that. Like, yes, it's so real. And granted, this guy was probably like, you know, unnecessarily causing a dog anxiety and anguish. (laughs) But he'd walk up to this little dog and say, like, hey, Pudgy, can I get an Awa Awa? (laughs) (laughs) 
And the dog would just be like, ow, ow. <laughs> and there was something about it that I thought was like so funny. I was like, Brian, we should call the show Awa Awa. And <laughs> he was like, what does that mean? I'm like, just trust me. It's the funniest thing ever. And he like ran it by his kids and they were like, Molly, they say it's lame. And I'm like, no, they don't know. Like they don't understand like how truly rich that comedy is it's because I love it when like an onomatopoeia goes wide, like when we all decide, OK, this is actually what we're going to like call that noise that all dogs mm-hmm. make, especially chihuahuas. O-W-A. OWA. I mean, it's, I was obsessed with it. And you would always see in TikTok comments just people (laughs) asking like any random creator on the app if they could get an Awa (laughs) Awa. Well, (laughs) poor Pudgy, you know, did disappear at one point, maybe, I don't know, in April or something. And it did come to light that Pudgy went to the other side. It's probably chilling with wags, you know, Awa Awaing it up with God. But, yeah. Rip Pudgy. And also a little backstory that I don't think you guys have ever heard. It was between, well, I don't think Awa Awa was ever really in the mix, but Two Pretty Best Friends was also considered as well at one point. Which is another excellent, that's another excellent one and very true. <laughs> very, yes. Exa- that's something that's only become more true with time. It's not funny. It's accurate. <laughs> exactly. Okay, can we talk about this? The Gia, Gia Giudice's Waking Up in the Morning song, which any Real Housewives or Bravo fan will tell you, this sound is, you know, probably 10 years old at this point. When, right. Yeah, Gia was maybe eight years old. And no, it was because it was Melania's eighth birthday. Because first you were one, then you were two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then so Gia was like maybe 10 or something, and she wrote this song about honestly, to me, I've never felt comfortable that this made it on air just because it's like so cringe. It's so embarrassing to think of other, like, it's so embarrassing to think of like the performances I did in the living room for my own family. Okay, but that dies with my family. Like, thankfully, those those little performances that I used to put on the adults were drunk at that point in the night. So like those don't come back to haunt me, but she was going through so much family stuff. Like it was starting to get aired out that her parents were criminals and like, you know, on just this other side of a couple years, they will do their own prison time individually, very formative time for these young girls. And Gia Giudice wrote a song that's like waking up in the morning thinking about so many things. (laughs) So some monster, I don't know who, puts this up on TikTok. And I'm right away, I'm embarrassed because I'm embarrassed for her. I'm afraid it's going to become a trending sound. Sure enough, it becomes a trending sound. I don't know if everyone knew the original origins for where that song came from. And I almost wonder what they thought it was. Oh, Hundo P. I mean, I didn't, I didn't make the connection when I heard it because, you know, when it was, it's just the perfect thing to put underneath a, a moment of self-reflection and like pure cringe and embarrassment or whatever. And I was like, it, like it totally made sense and it clicked, but I didn't know immediately what the context was. I wasn't really like 
big into Real Housewives, so I was like, uh, this I don't know what this is. And then and then when I need the context, I need the context. But um I'm sure there are lots of very other, very young other people out there in the world who don't know exactly what it is still to this day. Well, it went so wide that like Will Smith was doing it. Gia wound up embracing it. She made a video like, you know, mocking it. I think she and all of her girlfriends wore T-shirts with various words from the song and on a beach trip of some kind. I mean, she's loving and living. And actually what I consider to be her most embarrassing moment may not at all be her most embarrassing moment, which is crazy to think about, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, God bless her for embracing it. Cause I think when I was, how old would I have been? Uh, when I was, uh, I would have been 10. Oh gosh, I would have known better. I wrote a song for the death of princess Diana and I performed it for my family. And I'm just like eternally grateful that nobody filmed it let alone that it was put on television, let alone that 10 years later, it became a meme. Oh, yeah, that's, you're so lucky, actually. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I just had a song called How, and the only word in it was How, and it was like an 80s rock ballad, but I couldn't play any instruments, so you just had to imagine it. <laughs> and I did also once do a one-woman show uh, in my grandmother's backyard called um, Emotions, where I did different emotions, and she Stop. didn't attend. She didn't attend. She was the only person invited, and she didn't attend. So I did it anyway. The show had to go on. This is, it's the only child shit, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the stuff that, because like my cousins would come around and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be today's show. I'm going to need you guys, like, this is how we're going to organize this. You can feel free to improv this part, but I am really going to be strict about your entrance here. Like when we hit this line in the song, I'm you need to come in and dip me. <laughs> And then I'll finish my solo. But then that's when Fiona and Elizabeth, you guys need to be on the side, like getting ready for your big entrance so that I can do a costume change. Like, <laughs> and they would all like, no one would take me seriously, which I like, I, I realized some resentment is going to start. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to like back off. I'm I'm sharing with you what I just did inside, which was that I... I was starting to feel some resentment and then realized how fucking insane that is. And I, <laughs> but I, they would just sort of like not take it seriously. And I, now I realize why, because like what kind of like gray garden shit was I on that? I like, was like, <laughs> everyone's going to want to do this number that I put together. Everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I did. Oh fuck. I performed, um, I performed River Dance, which I, I, I want to say I never did any Irish dance. I just simply found the VHS at my nan's. I made the entire family watch as I did the opening to River Dance once at Christmas. And I there's a bit where Michael Flatley runs on stage. So I had to play the part of all of the other River Dance girls. And I had to leave through the patio door and then come back as Michael Flatley. It's just embarrassing to be alive, honestly. No, it's humiliating. It's so humiliating. And... I feel like my memory problems go like two ways, right? Like there's so much stuff I can't remember that when I hear other people tell me about it, I'm like, that sounds like it could have been fun. Like, why don't I remember that? <laughs> but like the only things that I can really hold on to are these like deep humiliations. Yes. And I think that they are what takes up like the majority of my memory bank is because like, God forbid... I don't remember this time that probably only I have thought about 
for the last 25 years. Yeah. But yeah, it's it sits with me heavy at the same time. Yes. No, you're right. Because I, I started to think to myself, well, you know, there's people that I used to just like ruthlessly make fun of in high school. <laughs> Would you ever like find someone in public or like see someone at the store or have like a casual run in with someone? And for some reason, you and your best friend or your cousin or whoever it may be, like, just became obsessed with that person for years. Mate, there's people who I'm still obsessed with to this day. There's one girl I I was, like, in university with, and we have not spoken for several years. And I obsessively, like, every six to eight months will, like, because, and it's so mundane, like, it's so mundane. I will obsessively find the most like ludicrous, like ludicrously mundane things on her Facebook and like, and like consume it. Yeah. And for me, it was always more like less following up or having any idea what was really going on there, but like maybe falling in love with like a kernel of a character. Right. That I based off of maybe the way that they said something to like a cashier that my friend and I like burst into giggles over. (laughs) And then like, you know, all these years later, like I, my best friend from high school and I, we, you know, we kept in touch a little bit in college, but then like, as you do with just people in life, you sort of drift apart. She joined a sorority. I was in my comedy my comedy group at my college. Like you just have your own interests and you stop talking as much. Let me tell you. So my special needs teacher retired, retired this year and I was asked to like make a video for her to be like, congratulations on retiring. And because my memory is so bad, I was like, fuck, like I know the name. I'm smiling when I hear this teacher's name. So I know that like at the very least, my best friend and I used to laugh about her all this all the time. But I feel like I have a positive memory, like more than that. Now, I would have made the video either way because, well, I'm a fucking adult and I was in special needs and I think it's funny. So there's no way that I wouldn't have like made her a video. But I call my best friend and like within seconds, we are both like in tears on the floors of our respective dwelling places okay just like laughing about just like small whiffs of things like maybe someone we saw at like the boston sports club or something and just like you know a a guy who had like a weird interaction with the towel boy and we've Mm -hmm. been like right away you go right back to that place there's like in my that for me is like what i really love about life but i'm scared knowing that i'm definitely someone's that oh Absolutely, 100%. Especially when the reason why it's stuck in your memory is something totally tiny and like like completely insignificant that like in the wider context of that person that you maybe have very limited like knowledge and interactions with is like not even a tiny fraction of their entire makeup. But the only reason I remember my like high school chemistry teacher is because he had a really tiny car and he drove past me in his really tiny car. <laughs> And now that's the only way I picture him. That's the only way I know his name is because of that. Because he happened to once drive past me in a tiny car. And I was with my best friend at the time and we lost our fucking minds about it. Well, I know that shit was small because I feel like all you guys have is tiny cars. Is there a (laughs) single SUV in your entire region? 
Oh, well, yeah. And my mother's just bought it. And I can tell you why. It's because she's been texting me updates about it for the last six weeks. But other than that, I think she might be the only one within a few few square miles. <laughs> so I do, we're not going to play audio really in this episode, but because we are, you know, kind of in that only child place of discussion, this is a TikTok sound that made me laugh so hard to the point of tears almost every single day in the month of January. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept of keeping an eye out for Selena, um, <laughs> I think it's from it's from a Justin Bieber song that was featuring Nicki Minaj and it's called Beauty and the Beat or something maybe. Sounds about right. And there's a part where she goes like, Justin Bieber, but I got to keep my eye out for Selena. And so <laughs> there's this video that it, this person made several videos using this sound. I've got a small piece of tea about the person who made this sound, by the way. You do? Yeah, I don't know if you know. So she is called Bella. You uh, you might have seen on TikTok her username is Nosebleed Fits with a Z. Um, and she made the like, she's like got this northern voice like that. She's she's very cool. Um, she's a trans woman. She's sort of like documenting. Well, she's just hilariously funny. And sometimes she documents like elements of her transition on TikTok. She's like, I suppose, one of the queens of British TikTok. And this year, so she had this, um, there's this friend of hers who's another kind of UK British TikToker who's quite, um, quite big called Max something. And um, she's also the originator of the, oh, je m'appelle big fat liar TikTok sound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so she's like gone, like she's gone viral a couple of times with these fun little sounds. And her and Max were friends and essentially Max brought out a merch line called Big, Big Fat Merch and Bella was not really happy about it because she felt like she owned the term Big Fat and <laughs> they had quite a public falling out and which culminated in Max playing this um, voice note that Bella had left for him when she was like, Max, I'm just existing peacefully and, you know, I don't really care what you say about me, but, you know, if you keep on talking, I'm going to come round and beat dog shit out of you and your boyfriend. <laughs> I did not know about that. I Listen, I'm like just here like passively taking my Selena content. That's a fascinating backstory. Send me a link if you have that and we'll pop that in the notes too. But okay, so the premise of this TikTok is that Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin have just opened the front door to their house and a little kitten is peering its its face around the corner, but the kitten has human eyes and human lips. And there's a caption on it that reads the stray cat that comes to Haley and Justin's house. And this is the sound. What would you do if I told you? I am Selena. <laughs> I it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like I have, to, I'm gonna have to like watch this like ten more times. It like honestly, it, I was crying laughing for days. Like I can even just think of it, and it would start to elicit tears. But truthfully, 
you know, now that I think about it, I really only had been participating in a mass trauma for about eight months at that point. So like Mm -hmm. definitely screws were loose. Now I'm feeling like in a much better place, but that's still the funny, funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. So on to February, it was a very good month, but not for everybody in Texas where my husband, my very real husband definitely is hundred percent. That's where he is. There was huge kind of, was it snowstorms or it was like all the power outages. It was all, it was all crazy. There was like hardly any power. Everyone was fucking freezing cold. People were freezing to death in their homes. Yeah. In Texas, yeah. like the whole grid went out and I have family members there who were like, heating up water like outside my aunt was all worried about her goats and she had like a space heater running off of a generator I'm so glad that her son lives across the street and is like just a mechanics wizard like yes he definitely broke all of my toys growing up but like it it wound up came good in the end yeah in the long run for him yeah for sure and as long as my aunt's goats were saved from this Mm. worth it 100%. But wasn't this also, isn't it because Texas runs on a completely different grid to like the rest of the country? Possibly. I mean, listen, Texas does a lot of things differently than the rest of the country. It's sort of like its own little continent within our continent, for sure. Which would make sense. I think there's something essentially like normally when there would be a kind of widespread outage, I think that you can... You can reassign and borrow from bits of the grid because I couldn't understand. I was like, why is why is why is it kind of out? Why is the power out? And why isn't it coming back on? Surely you can just turn it back on. And I remember, I don't know if you saw this, but um, the Real Housewives of Dallas, and which I unfortunately I follow a lot of them on Instagram, like they weren't really posting, but it turns out somebody was doing like a drive by of all of the very very wealthy areas of um, of Dallas and. All of their lights were on, but in some of the more like maybe economically deprived or just like normal sort of lower middle class, like income families, like the power was like on rolling our blackouts. Anyway, Texas was in disarray and Ted Cruz thought that would be a really good opportunity to um, leave the state and go to Mexico for a few days. Okay. So the thing that I thought was so interesting and We started this show on February, I believe it was 27th, which was the original, I think it was like the Tuesday after the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight that was supposed to happen, but it didn't. And I remember this being one of the potential stories in our queue. I'm not even sure if we covered it, but it was interesting to me because Heidi Cruz planned most of this trip with her neighbors via WhatsApp, which... I only know is something that like you use to communicate with like your foreign parents or like if you're in Europe or I don't know. I mean, I don't think like that's where people go to do drug deals, but like if I know of it as this like alternative texting mode. No, it's totally a place where people go to do drug deals. Okay. Because like, yeah, (laughs) I was always, I'm just very confused about why people in the States would use WhatsApp. Like, can you please illuminate? the WhatsApp culture of it all? I mean, I don't use it that much, but I do use it. And I do use it for, funnily enough, I don't use it to speak to my foreign husband and I don't use it to speak to my foreign friends such as yourself. I use it for groups. Like it's a good group chat place, especially if like somebody's not, somebody else is not on an iPhone or whatever. I'm in a crypto banter WhatsApp group, Mars, which I'd be more than happy to add you to. It's very popping <laughs> in crypto banter. For sure. But it's 
it's a it's a good place for like assembling people kind of naming groups I also use it sometimes to talk to like if I've got a client overseas or something but I yeah I don't know it's not my it's not my preferred I have to say but I will go there and check if there's like I'm at the moment I'm in a group about kitten sitting like I'm gonna sit some kittens kittens are coming over and Mm -hmm. there need to be multiple people on that thread so that's what that's what's going on there so that's important to check because cats but otherwise I don't know but was was Heidi Cruz on a bunch of like maybe like mom WhatsApps or I think like streets will get their own WhatsApp group sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So like it did seem like something like that. It was just sort of like, Hey, you know, we're going to get the girls out of here. They, you know, they're going to be off school for the week. And this is before everyone was off school for two years, really. (laughs) So like, it was kind of like, you know, it was very, not only was it just like very privileged and annoying, But we have to remember that at this point in February, Ted Cruz is like defending the insurrectionists and trying to like stop Trump's second impeachment. And so it was just very, you know, it's very un-American to hop on a plane to Mexico while your state is in crisis and and millions of people are freezing to literal death in their home. And it's, you know, what you said about the generators and stuff is true, right? Because I feel like very wealthy people are going to have that sort of generator set up. I think also a lot of people who are in very rural areas probably have something like that ready to go. Mm-hmm. But your average person does not have a power generator in the house. Like, cause what I, what happened there seemed very surreal, like almost, almost just unbelievable that an entire state could be without power. Yeah. Yeah. And- for, for that amount of time. Can you imagine like, 24 hours, I think, is probably the max that most people are prepared for. Yeah. And it's cold, by the way. I think people think because Texas is a southern state that it's warm. I mean, it it does seem like a place that would be warm, right? Adjacent to Mexico and like the southern U.S. That sounds like a place that's going to be warm year round. But Texas gets bitterly cold. It does. And it has weather. Like it has very changeable, very inclement weather. You know, you can have like hailstones one minute and then like the sun will come out like half an hour later. Like it's very changeable, but it definitely has like the extremities of the weather. It gets incredibly hot in the summer and it has been known to snow in the winter. I was shocked when I went there. So I I rented a place for like a month in April, one of my seasons during one of my hiatuses on Two Broke Girls. And I was dead shocked the day that I got there. I rented my little car. The first place I took my rental car was to fucking REI to get a down parka because it was like hailing out. (laughs) And this was total news to me. I mean, I was just so spoiled on Southern California. I knew that like, you know, I think I had brought like a little rain jacket or something, but I just simply did not have warm enough clothes. And there I am at like REI getting ready to mountain climb or something. I just was completely unprepared for how cold it was there. Tiff, there's really nothing like the look a cat will give you when, <laughs> when you, you pee. <laughs> when you like move near them. Yes. Like I'm recording this from my bed right now and I I just made the hugest mistake of getting up and I'm then moving. sitting back down. It was yeah. like how dare you. Yeah, I feel dirty. So Kimye announces the divorce in February, which as we know is still kind of, I don't know, this story goes on and on because even though the divorce was announced, Kanye is still sort of 
pining a little bit after Kim and giving interviews about how they're not really divorcing or they're not really divorced and going on stage and saying, come back to me, Kimberly. <laughs> but I mean, I don't I know. know. So we're, we're recording this on December 12th. And I believe yesterday it broke that Kim officially filed the papers to move forward, like basically to expedite the divorce process and also to take back her original last name. Oh, yikes. So it's – I don't think the singing worked, unfortunately. Well, that's a lesson for us all. I know. Well, a lesson for me was the KFC barstool situation. Yeah. I mean, I recall – I remember seeing this go down on Twitter – from your perspective but I'm gonna be honest I don't really fully understand it so if you could give me like a cliff notes that'd be great yeah sure so it's our second episode and I saw this like opportunity I wound up in a very typical Molly situation and I was like okay while I am doing a podcast about the internet I might as well make as big of a deal as this as possible right so basically KFC from Barstool had tweeted a joke about Tiger Woods, who had just gotten into a car crash, saying that it was a hoax because there is now what I didn't realize at the time. Now that he said it, I I, I realize what it is. But I had tweeted to someone trying to figure out. It was like his tweet was the main tweet, and I responded to someone deep in the comments, being like, "I don't understand like what the joke would even be. Like, why would it be a joke that he broke his legs?" And KFC, because I think because I'm verified, I showed up in his like verified tweets and he took my tweet and quote tweeted it and used four different screenshots of other famous athletes allegedly like breaking their legs. And I guess for, you know, for his beat, that is a classic hoax. Right. But also it's not like Tiger Woods is like a known great driver either. He's, you know, been in multiple car wrecks and has a history of drug use. So uh, for some reason, like KFC used me as an example, I immediately am very embarrassed because I know like it's all the people that like you don't talk to, but some of whom you actually still really like and enjoy who follow someone like KFC. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. people I went to college with are our mutuals like all these people and I'm like oh god like I'm being quote tweeted by this guy who has like 500,000 followers and he's like on you know part of this really toxic like sports blogging community and so I decided to like make it as weird as possible and I took a screenshot of my Venmo like scanner whatever my QR code and I replied to it and said Venmo me $200 or I will delete my tweet <laughs> so that they look so that he it would look insane right yeah yeah and so he so then all of a sudden all these like reply guys get into my comments saying that I'm extorting him <laughs> and I'm thinking they're like oh yeah you know the extortion that happens on the main timeline on Twitter that's definitely what happens and It just started a little bit of a war and then he went ahead and like came to my profile because I had tweeted something like, oh, like if you can't respect that I'm shaking down a barstool reporter in the midst of getting canceled, 
then I don't respect you or something. And in the back of my head, I'm knowing already this is content for my new podcast about trending topics. So (laughs) I want to like make it big. Well, what I didn't expect was for him to go ahead, screenshot that tweet, then tweet it and say like, these are the kind of scumbags who, you know, come out of the woodwork when someone's going through something like glad she's enjoying seeing me be canceled so badly. And truthfully, like I, again, I was like, oh my God, like (laughs) I didn't even tweet your name. Like I, you just like came to my profile and found this now. And then he went on to like later talk about me that night on his podcast. And so as you can imagine, my my Venmo was a shit show of like people like requesting a thousand dollars from me for like being a whore or like oh whatever it was God. they were calling me. And then my, of course, people telling me to die, I should go kill myself, all that stuff. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm in my quick thinking mode. It hasn't even been 12 hours since this happened. I have a couple of his like fair weather fans in my DMs. And I'm like, so what are his weak spots? Like, what are his, like, you know, weak spots? Like, I just did some quick Googling. Like, I see at a very public affair when his wife was pregnant and, you know, I'm sort of finding out all this stuff. Then I find out this girl named Alexis Ruiz beat him up in middle school and that was very scarring for him. And then he also was apparently enemies with this young man named Patrick McGillicuddy who has gone to way more but like uh, Mets games than him or something like that. Or maybe he was on a float at the Patriots like post Super Bowl parade or something. I don't know. But I wound up hiring like eight different people on Cameo, including some of his own co-workers, a former New York Met because um, he named his daughter after their stadium. Like that's the kind of Met fan he is. Wow. And, oh, I think like a contestant, Boa from Drag Race Canada. I just thought that would be like a fun little like punchline. The number one NFL draft pick of last year, this wrestler with fangs, like all these things. But of course, my my big get was not Rachel. She's she's the she's like the main woman. She her husband died or her fiance died in 9-11. And then she went on to be one of Tiger Woods's mistresses. Oh, And she she was like my big get because I thought it would be great. And so I kind of like wrote this little storyline for him where I had some people referencing Alexis Ruiz directly. I had some people mentioning the affair. I had some people doing a bit where he had broken both of his legs and like how to sort of rebound from that. I had lots of like different comments about sort of him being a sore loser, but every single person reminded him that he owed me $200. Hey, Kevin, what's up? It's your friend, Rachel, you could tell. So listen, we got to talk because I hear you're having some problems with your friend, Molly. Um, first of all, um, I hear that you owe her $200. So we've got to pay up on that. Um, second of all, she tells me a little bit about your issues from high school and um, how you can't get over um, some girl named Alexis Ruiz and how you're sort of taking out your issues um, from your relationship with her on um, other women. And we've got to move on from this Alexis chick, honey. Um, So I'd love to hear more about that. You can DM me on Instagram and tell me all about this. 
And then, I don't know, something about Patrick McGillicuddy and how he's um, a better man than you'll ever be. And I don't know, it seems like you and Molly have some issues and I don't want to get into it, but she seems a little bit angry. So I think if you were just paid her the $200, you would probably resolve the whole thing because <laughs> um, she seems to have a little bit of anger towards you. Um, but um, I don't know, she wanted me to try and resolve it between the two of you and um, I wanted to try and help you uh, with that. But um, you seem like a nice enough guy. And um, I hope all is well with you uh, in the women department. It sounds like uh, it, it might not be because uh, you might have scorned Molly. Um, but listen, dude, uh, just pay up on your debts and maybe get over Alexis and uh, move on. But definitely reach out to me on Instagram and take care and uh, work out your issues with Molly. All right. Take care, buddy. And... For me, this was like, okay, this is a great second episode for us. And I was right. I think it definitely did. It got us where we needed to be. It was like our number one episode, I think, for the first 10 episodes or something. But that was my, that was like me making like Mike's hard lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're making Kevinade. You know, yeah. he is actually on Cameo. So you could request a cameo from him for 30 that is brilliant <laughs> tiffany okay but wait you have to book it i'm gonna book it maybe i can get him to apologize to you and tell him that he knows you 200 dollars. <laughs> what if you say what if you have it be like okay my friend has been going through some really bad cyberbullying lately amazing <laughs> and the worst part of it is is that she's already facing financial hardship because of a debt that's owed to her. <laughs> okay. Something like that. Okay. 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 And words of encouragement to that effect. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what would you do if you were Molly and someone owes you like this, this money that is it's make it or break it money for her. But then on top of that, she's also being viciously cyber bullied. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Maybe right, something like that. I'll do it. Okay. I mean, I'll obviously I'll Venmo you. All right. <laughs> they, these were some of the glory days. March brings us to some of the glory days of this podcast. 8936 Galen Road. Ringing a bell for anyone out there? No. Okay. No. Did, you don't remember this? No. Okay. So there was this, like, I don't know, I guess like a piece of farmland or something in a southern state. I don't even remember what. I know the exact address, but I forget where it is. Tennessee. Okay. And it was this group of people that were living in like sort of a a co-owned piece of land and they were all sort of like working on it. It's like a, what do they call those like little communities that. <gasps> oh, is this the, is this the commune? Yes. And they'd yes. all be like, come on down to A936 Galen Road. We're having the best yes. time of our lives. And like, it's very obvious that, you know, these people are acting like they're limit living on like Plymouth Plantation. Yes, and like I'm everything's just... all like pure or whatever, but there is actually this incredibly dark underground side to it where like some of the guys living there were like convicted felons, but not in a way where it's like he did his time, like in a way where it's like mm, we shouldn't re-socialize that person. Like right. they especially shouldn't be recruiting young people. And this was, you know, uh, around the year mark of the quarantine 
And this is when people started to be like, okay, I'm not going to just like live my life like this forever. Especially a lot of people, they were appealing to people that had to leave their home for some reason or another. A lot of them were saying that they weren't accepted at their home because they were gay or because they had a different lifestyle or whatever. And they were using this to try and get this young crop of like 18 year olds out there. And you were seeing some TikTokers come and like join them for a day or check out the place. But it wound up being that this town is directly next to a sundown town. For those who don't know, that means like no people of color wanted past Mm -hmm. the sun going down. And they're all like, they're known for like, you know, killing people. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a black person in this neighborhood at night, you're going to get killed. And that is definitely not something they were disclosing down at Galen Road. It's also was in, you know, a rural part of Tennessee where it's like, actually, you know what? Maybe this isn't like the safest place for like two 19 year old lesbians to move. You know, it was a very like it was a very confusing thing. Galen Road like had some defenders a little bit after that. It did seem like the piece of land was sort of co-opted from its original mission And some of the people there were like, you know, very troubled individuals, but we haven't heard much about Galen Road since then. The word got out pretty quickly. Yeah. I remember like the guy who was making the TikToks was, was, he had a British accent. I think he was a scouser, but he had obviously been in the States for a while because he had that sort of transatlantic twang. The only thing that I remember very significantly about it was there was a woman there, a white, a white woman um, with dreadlocks who people were calling her out in the comments because she her cat died and she turned her cat into a skirt as a podcast network our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you but we also sell merch and organizing that was made both possible and easy with shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Yeah, there was people eating. That's right. People were eating like domestic animal meat as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think she got a lot of flack because she was talking about that she made a video where she was making Kool-Aid and everyone's like, they're going to kill themselves. It's going to be like Jonestown. And she's like, no, it's electric Kool-Aid. It's just like 60s thing. I don't know what Jonestown is. And I was like, bitch, everybody knows what Jonestown is. You're in a cult. Like, <laughs> I know. And well, <laughs> like the pretend. craziest part was is like they started to do these videos. They're, like, they're saying people are saying we're a cult and that you can't leave. It's actually really easy to leave. If you want to leave, all you have to do is ask someone, ask one of us if you can leave and you can go. Which is well, just go. One go ask. <laughs> right. Like when there's a system in place where you're either given permission to leave or not leave somewhere, that's a cult, baby. That's just like a, a slight that's a softer branding of a cult. It's diet cult. <laughs> Speaking of stories we never got any fucking closure on. The cinnamon toast crunch featuring shrimp story. If you'll remember TV writer you know, multi-hyphenate creative Jensen Karp, who is also married to Topanga. I've known Jensen over the years. This like this sort of thing happening to someone like Jensen makes total sense in terms of, you know, he's just touched almost any corner you can imagine of pop culture where he was like a white rapper who won a huge freestyle contest on like one of our big morning radio shows here. He has written books. He owns a gallery. He had a show called Drop the Mic On. I mean, this is a guy that just has a really like illustrious career in a way that I've always been like, damn, you know what I mean? Like to to be successful in that many arenas is kind of crazy, but he's just the type of person who always has these little things where you know, it was just, it was always very interesting to talk to him because he'd be like, oh yeah, like that, like I, I know someone who did that. (laughs) Or this was my really weird experience with this person. And it was just like someone who had such a rich history, right? Well, one day this guy, according to him, Jensen's eating a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch that he poured himself. He's a late night cereal eater, which, you know, I relate to hardcore. And he took a few bites, started to realize that something was amiss. He's like, hmm, I feel like I'm sensing something that's not just cinnamon toast crunch and it was in fact shrimp tails that were in the box of cereal that had dried cinnamon toast goodness attached to them it I mean it looked like it definitely was a factory error like maybe someone was having a little shrimp cocktail at their job and it went down the wrong chute sort of thing and somehow wound up in his cereal box and it turned into a thing with You know, he was doing these talk show interviews nonstop. He was on like every single type of morning talk show. I think he even did The Breakfast Club when they were all remote in their different little like windows. I think I remember seeing like Charlemagne and some Zoom video just like rolling his eyes at Mm -hmm. this this whole thing. And then it was a it was a classic milkshake duck. Disgusting term. But it it was it was it turns out that he was accused of all sorts of just like abusive dating history, like being shady in the workplace, kind of like stealing from people, 
running an unprofessional set or at least, you know, office environment at post-production behind the scenes sort of thing. And uh, he just straight up never logged back on to Twitter. And shortly after, I think he first broke his silence when he announced that his wife Topanga and him were expecting their second child. And honestly, I think that's the last I've heard of Jensen. I could, uh, let me see if I can find my phone and see if he's tweeted anything as of recent, but we're never going to find out. No, this is going in the John Bonet files. A lot of people were accusing him of fabricating the whole story, Mm -hmm. but truthfully, it just, Jensen's incredibly clever. He's not bake cinnamon toast crunch powder onto shrimp tails. Clever. <laughs> yeah. No, and sure enough, the last the last tweet was on March 24, 2021. No real update, and I'm not posting about this bullshit all day again. Waiting for the envelope I agreed on from General Mills to send them back pieces and some of a shrimp tail that will leave home for DNA testing at noon. They grow up so fast. But <laughs> I need closure. I think we all do. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's one of the, uh, it's just one of the, one of those things. It's one of those things. And, and truthfully, if he can't, listen, I think he had opened himself up to a lawsuit with General Mills. Because in some of his interviews toward the end, he started to be very clear, like, it must have happened at the Sam's Club that I went to in the Valley because General Mills assured us that it couldn't have possibly happened at their factory. And it's kind of like, oh, like someone at Sam's Club is baking shrimp tails into it. Like, he was very quick to say that General Mills had nothing to do with it. And it probably is easiest to just walk away at that point. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on to some more fun stuff before we get back into more sad stuff. Chet Hanks, White Boy Summer. He soft launched in March. He really did. God bless him. I know, like, okay, there is such a there's such a place in my world for Chet Hanks because I find him to be a piece of rare performance art that even when he does something that is incredibly tone deaf and and basically offensive, I I'm fascinated by him, like truly fascinated by him. So he um he made this video where he was like, I've got a feeling it's about to be a white boy summer. And he was like, I'm not talking about Trump and like NASCAR type white. I'm talking about me and like Jack Harlow white boys. And then he had to like follow up and be like, it's not, it's not about being prejudiced or having ill will. And then he released this merch that looked like it was made by some Boogaloo boys with like a kind of like black letter calligraphy font, which is like historically not a good idea to have the word white in that font. It just doesn't, it just doesn't read well. Like he didn't, like he didn't read the tone. And then of course, a couple, you know, a couple of weeks later or whatever it was, he released the seminal record, White Boy Summer. This was his, um, absolutely deranged little soft launch of the concept to his credit you know between mgk travis like pete davidson i do feel like it was a white it boy wasn't. summer it, but you know what he was fucking right he really it just was. wasn't on his terms Mm-mm. i no. agree, i agree i appreciate him i and i knew he wasn't talking about like Martha's Vineyard, date rapist, you know, oppressor type white boys. He's talking about 
white trash white boys that are skinny with tattoos and odd behavior. Yeah. And we know we're fresh off, you know, hot girl summer and Christian girl autumn. And he was like, maybe, maybe this is my time to shine. Yeah. He had the right, he had the right ideas. He usually does. <laughs> but I, he's I problematic. Just... I, I think white boy summer got canceled because he hit his girlfriend or something. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. We take the good with the bad. Yeah, that's true. For every for every like horrific domestic assault, there is a Reddit post comment history in which he invites women um, with big asses to come to his hotel so we can eat their buttholes. And um, <laughs> that's <laughs> for sure, girl, for sure. Because <laughs> I mean, he did do that. So that's good for him. This next story was like our next biggest story after the one that I like just self-created with the KFC one was the David Dobrik allegations, which was a two hour episode in which I explained in painstaking detail to my 45 year old male co-host who David Dobrik is, what the vlog squad is, what this fall from grace meant, because it was massive. I mean, you cannot underestimate how influential someone like him I know we laugh about him saying he's a little whore, a little slut. We love Pantygate. We love these like, you know, little David Dobrik moments now, but that's like post fall from grace. But he was Mm -hmm. on the top of the fucking world right Mm -hmm. before this happened. Yeah. And it was, it was a bad, it was a bad year for Mr. Dobrik really, because it was a everything kind of came out of the woodwork, especially when it comes to, I mean, and once something like this happens, I think you start to view everything through that lens too. Like once the pot has been soured, you start to like take a step back and look at that, that circle, that content with a slightly, um, the the shine has been buffed off it somewhat. So if you want to go listen to that whole episode, I'll, I'll link it in the description if you want like a full evaluation of the whole thing at the time. I will say one thing that came out of this piece that was written by Kat Tenbarge was Kat Tenbarge herself, this young woman who was a reporter at Insider. I believe she might have just taken a different job, a prom- like a promotion, covering the same beat for a bigger, better outlet. But this was a huge year for her. Like she's someone that, you know, again, from my in my old age, I see someone like this and I'm like, this is exactly what I hoped would happen. One, I always hoped that people would cover these stories in mainstream media because Mm -hmm. for so long there was just this absolute denial about the impact of online content and online content creators, especially Mm -hmm. even after, you know, these people were fully millionaires you know anytime there would be an interview would be like isn't it kind of crazy that you're like a millionaire from this youtube thing and it's like actually it's kind of crazy that you don't understand the value of a creation like that truthfully most of our country if 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 you don't have cable you're probably watching youtube on your phone yeah for sure there are some creators out there who are like i suppose you'd couch them as the most famous person you've never heard of or yes. the most famous person your parents have never heard of, you know? Like, it's like, how do you how do you quantify fame anymore when there's, like, such an unbelievable reach? Sometimes these creators have such – I mean, the money is the money, but, like, just the reach and influence, like, truly influences in the purest sense of the word. And, you know, this goes hand in hand with Trish 
Trisha Paytas having her first like feature come out in Vulture, which was an acknowledgement that for someone who has been on TV as many times as she has and who is so, so much a part of the zeitgeist, Trisha has been ignored by traditional media despite being on television. Like she was on Big Brother and you still would never see like a Mm -hmm. profile on someone like Trisha. And finally, she had this profile because she had blown up on TikTok with that ridiculous King Tut video, which was, (laughs) you know, a huge moment for her with like Gen Gen Z finding her and, you know, still like it's so frustrating to watch like new or young people discover Trisha Paytas Mm -hmm. because they, they ride the wave with her in a very like, you know, on, on the day to the day, like the the roller coaster, they're there for everything. Yeah. Whereas most of us who consume Trisha Paytas content, nothing really like pings on our radar anymore. Like no. if she's been in a pleasant place for like a month and a half, we're like, oh, like Trisha seems to be in a good place. But then <laughs> the real fans know that that just means it's only a matter of time until the tides turn because it's like she'll be killing it. And then she'll post some massive meltdown video. Like, I think the last time I thought she was doing really well, she wound up going off on this guy, Anthony Padilla, who I believe (gasps) is, like, known as... The Smosh guy. She went off on Anthony Padilla? Because he did that series. Like, now he takes himself very seriously and does those little, like, series with... Him and Satanists or him and goths for the day or whatever. And he did one with people who had dissociative identity disorder. And that's when Trish came out shortly after saying that she thinks she has DID. And then there was a massive uproar about that. And of course, there's people who still were like ready. They were so excited to have something to cancel Trish over because they were mad about the first time she tried to cancel the vlog squad. And she had like blown up at him. And I remember reaching out to one of my Trish people and being like, God, like she's killing it right now. It's such a shame to see her. Like, what was the deal with that? And around that time was the first time she appeared on the H3 podcast and quickly started to do The Bachelorette, which led to her and Ethan starting Frenemies podcast. And one of the main sort of things, like after, you know, months of Trisha, you know, kind of referencing the terrible treatment that she dealt with, when she was hanging out with the blog squad, Ethan was finally like, hmm, so like, what's this you say about them being like a group of pricks? And once mm-hmm. Trisha started to really tell him, you know, these are the things that happened to me. These people are crazy. They're out of control. Once that started, everyone started to dig a lot more. And it was like people who had never really followed David Dobrik were looking into him. And then, of course, like, I think that empowered people to maybe talk to someone like Kat. And what happened was, is, you know, this young woman who was sexually assaulted while participating in the vlog, she spoke to, she spoke to Kat and, you know, her friends verified and there was like footage and clips and just like, honestly, like it just got so, it got so much work. It was a hornet's nest. Mm -hmm. And this was like, sort of like, I would say, Trisha's peak in the last year. Right. But you do ride the roller coaster. <laughs> like, there are peaks and troughs, right? Like, it's cyclical. I feel like there is 
there's such a, a beautiful predictable pattern to it like any like the changing of the seasons like the fall always comes like after yeah after you've been with with the peak and the high of Trish you know that there's something bad in the post yes for sure which leads us to April ah <gasps> oh, this was the this makes me so uncomfortable but this was basically uh, bad baby turned 18 in April right and announced her that she was going to be doing OnlyFans um now that she was legally able to produce uh content that could be consumed an adult content this whole thing makes me so uncomfortable I have to say it like it like sets my teeth on edge and it's it's I feel like I'm in a really awkward position always with well a with her because I do feel quite protective of her as I do of like all young women but also I'm super pro sex work and super pro only fans but like it's it's just really gross that like there's a that people are waiting for a young woman to turn to a legal age they can consume adult content of her I don't know just because we keep the jeeps chomping at the goddamn bit I mean it was the biggest she made a million dollars in less than 24 hours no one can deny that sort of money here's the thing that I feel like we all sort of blew past she had all of those images ready to go at Mm -hmm. midnight on her Mm -hmm. 18th birthday which I don't think a lot of us put together till maybe a couple weeks later, which is, um, oh, she's all she's a minor in all of these pictures. Right. And so there's a question there of like, you know, I mean, I don't subscribe. I don't know if she shows full nip or anything like that. But, you know, if it was like bikini pictures, like a lot of people do on OnlyFans, you know, maybe that's less questionable, but it is asking, it's an intentional sexualization of a 17 year old in a bathing suit. And yeah, listen, I mean, I actually really pull for her. She's, I I pull for her and I pull for like, whoa, whoa, Vicky. I really feel like, okay, you know what girls, (laughs) you've certainly made a meal out of something that most people wouldn't have made go on for more than 10 minutes like they've surpassed 15 minutes and are both I feel probably going to be in this in the in the long run we're going to hear their names for a long time mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm happy for her in the sense that she got her bag I felt like she was incredibly sexualized even at a very young age so an aspect of that was out of her control and obviously the demand for the photos show that right that there was just so many people who you know you don't someone who who people are not sexualizing before they turn 18 does not have this sort of response. So it was happening against her will. And I guess I can't blame her for wanting to cash in on that. No, as and soon take as possible. the power of it for sure. Like, I don't know if you know, um, in my country, I don't know if they still do it anymore, but there's um, the UK's most popular newspaper, The Sun, which is horrific. Uh, which is a Rupert Murdoch paper, used to have, I'm not sure if it still does, but used to have for a very long time, page three of The Sun was a woman, was a topless woman, like every day. Mm -hmm. And there was like a few years ago before the sort of, there was a sort of sexual offenses act that came into effect in like the early 2000s. But prior to that, you could be 16 years old and topless in that Are you newspaper. fucking kidding me? I swear to God. So there was this woman, she was a glamour model called Cherry D. And um, she, 
Uh, there were pictures of her that in a bikini that was sent to um, the Daily Sport, which was another sort of toplessy tabloid newspaper that would have these topless shots when she was 15. And they did, they posted the bikini picture of her while she was 15 on the page three. And then they did a countdown to her 16th birthday for her then to be topless on her 16th birthday in the paper, which is so incredibly fucked up that at least sort of Bad Baby was able to I guess harness that sort of grotesque predatory energy and like turn it into something that was like financially um like I don't know there was a good time for her financially as opposed to you know this has been going on for a really long time <laughs> in various forms so that there is something ugh, well when you think about, about like that. the Olsen twins like how I think when they were like 14 there was like a just a ongoing website that was right. a live tracker of when it was a countdown to when they turned 18. And, you know, there was a lot I didn't understand about that at the time that I understand differently now. But the main one being that, like, so when they're 18, you think they're going to consent to having sex with you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, is the idea, like, because when, when we're all laughing about this, it's gross enough to think that you might actually, like, pick up Ashley at her house and take her for a nice dinner and then maybe, you know, two, three dates in, see if you can, like, seal the deal type thing, right? Mm. But the implication is sexual assault, right? Yeah, and also that if you've been harboring, (laughs) if you've been harboring sort of tendencies towards very young women that that with the sort of changing of a calendar, suddenly, like, all of those feelings you've had for that person are suddenly, like, okay and justified under the law, And I think Millie Bobby Brown is 17. She's going to be 18 soon. And I want to keep a fucking close eye on her because. Someone's already because her parents aren't. Because Drake's already fucking sliding into the DMs and God knows what. So I I just, I already predict the all grown up photo shoot that's going to happen. And it like chills me to the bone. Listen, like I'm so happy that Billie Eilish is where she's at in life, but I was disturbed isn't the right word I was a little bit taken aback that like the second she turned 18 those titties came out absolutely absolutely because I really believed some of her like you know when she said that she wore those oversized clothes because she didn't want people to sexualize her body I assumed that it had more to do with like her comfortability than the fact that she was underage and people might be doing that because it seems like now she doesn't so much have that Mm. fear. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. I, and at the same time, I feel like when you are going to be with bad baby, I feel like if you're going to be a victim of something, no matter what you go get your few million dollars, put that in the bank. I actually do think she's probably good with money. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. Okay, but Speaking wait. of tits. <laughs> Speaking of tits and pics. So this is, I'm terrified. I'm not, I don't even know if the actual picture itself is linked in the article that I'm linking here. Probably not. Mm-mm. But I definitely was like, I'm not going to scroll down because if I see this picture again, Chris Jenner is going to drive down to Glendale and take my life. <laughs> so She's locked and loaded. She's on the front lawn with the sniper rifle trained on you. And if you fucking click that link, Malls, it's done. No, absolutely. It'll just be like an Uber will arrive at my house and they'll be like, get in. And then they'll (laughs) drive me out to Hidden Hills and shoot me in the head. But 
Yeah, so MJ, the matriarch of the Kardashian-Jenner family, she's Chris's biological mom. She took a picture of Chloe that was absolutely normal. She looked great. She, did. she looked very natural. It looked like a very typical grandma picture because, like, you know, certain elements of it artistically probably could have been better done. Like, she was heavily shaded by a tree that was above her. But she posted it to her Instagram story, and it was a complete Streisand effect because as soon as Chloe, you know, as soon as it was out there, people started, t- like, you know, snapping pictures of it. And I don't know if, like, literally even one person said anything about her body not looking great because it no. did look great. But for some reason, she had this reaction to it where, like, Chris was going around giving, you know, passing out cease and desist everywhere she could. Any videos that had it on TikTok were taken down. I know even, like, the Keeping Up with the Kardashians Reddit was maybe asked to take it down. Mm -hmm. I'm not really so sure how it works. Like, under Twitter's new reporting policy where if you're in a picture and you don't like it, you can – have basically click and have it removed this would never survive survive in a world like that but it was such a it was such a disproportionate reaction to a photo with in which i thought if anything made it very clear that chloe's like worked hard for her body you know yeah she looked great she looked very healthy she looked very normal she looked there was no sort of face tuning there's like skin texture but she looks banging like she has a banging bot like she's she's definitely She's put in the time, effort, energy, money, and God knows what else. But it's not uh, its not the typical image that one would see today of the Kardashians in a bikini. So- no, if it was any one of us, if it was you, I, my friends, whatever, if that picture was of any one of us, that would be our permanent, <laughs> our permanent profile picture on all social media apps. Because, like, she looked fantastic, but... You know, and I don't know. I guess it was just, uh, yeah, it was just a Streisand effect. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, the picture was nothing. It was all the reaction from Chris and Chloe that drove it. No one would have cared. Nobody would have cared really if, like, it was just a like a like if it was allowed to fly under the radar. But the the really the the thing that disappointed me, and I don't know why I think this. I always like I always think that like I'm gonna get more from Chloe than I actually do. But like, she is no longer the Chloe that I know from early Kardashian seasons. She is like, you know, fully under the brand. And I thought that this would have been actually like a very good, like this could have been a really excellent PR moment for them. Like they could have spun this in an incredibly like now way. They could have like, they could have used this as a story to talk about like body positivity, like even though she looks amazing, but like, you know, whatever it could have been, it could have been pulled back from the precipice if they if they felt it was like damaged like image reputation damaging but instead what she did is she went on this really bizarre kind of instagram live with kim and in this really weird dimly lit like gym where there's clearly like there's some sort of like it looks like there's some live filtering happening because there's bits where her like waist kind of goes in and out on the video and she just really awkwardly stands there with this like low-rise jogging bombs and kind of poses at the camera in this like like a really sad display of like, no, this is what my body looks like. And I found it actually super depressing, (laughs) like the whole thing, like really depressing. No, it was a conversation that I had with my friend Troy McGeady that 
like kind of nailed Chloe for me, which is that she has a life, you know, out of all of her sisters that's like painfully normal where she has this like, you know, shitty boyfriend, her baby daddy who's like cheating on her left and right. Like her first marriage ended in disaster. Like she deals with major self-esteem issues. Like Khloe Kardashian is a celebrity who lives the life of a, you know, a 28-year-old woman who works at a med spa in Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah. You know, she could just be like your average sort of American girl with like the types of problems that she has, the the types of problems that are, are like, babe, like you have too much money for this. Like if a man is causing you this much trouble, pay him to fuck off. That's the easiest thing to do. But anyway, okay, let's talk about the word chuggy. Oh, I think we're all chugs now. Are we chugs? I'm a chug. I don't care. I don't think there's anything wrong with being chuggy. And what I, it bums me out about chuggy was that it was introduced by this girl who went to college with the, with a girl who went to high school with the girl who made up the word chuggy. <laughs> and chuggy, just as a throwback, is basically a word to describe things that were in trend for a brief period of time and are now like unfortunate relics. So like bacon culture is a thing. I I know that an example I used to help my previous co-host like click on what it was, was they said Kabbalah is kind of chuggy. Like you'll never see everyone doing Kabbalah again. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a, a fantastic world, but the young woman who shared Chugi with everyone says to to this day that it's her biggest regret was introducing the world to the word Chugi. And I think honestly, it's because a lot of people our age, it's the millennials our age who can't handle like information like, oh, side parts are Chugi, like, oh, skinny jeans are Chugi. Like they can't take that information and like choose to do with it what they want. They have mm. to like get really weird about it Mm -hmm. when like you know I don't know that women our age were ever considered necessarily like the fashion plates of society like that's supposed to be the great part of being in your 30s is that like you're you're freed from that a little bit and for some reason some people just felt very attacked by chuggy I don't think there's anything wrong with being chuggy I think it's you know as there's so many people that also celebrate being basic you know and there's the reason why something is basic is because it's massively popular and it's it's okay to like not be an edgelord in every department of your life. And I understand why some people are that way about like music and film and things that they think really speak to their intellect and like, you know, define their personality. But when it comes to something like skinny jeans, like I just can't imagine being so precious about it that I would allow that to like disturb my inner peace. However, <laughs> this person who uh, popularized Chugi again made a TikTok video very recently reiterating that Chugi was the biggest mistake of her life. However, she just secured like a massive marketing job with a great salary and it brought her this and that. And I'm sitting there thinking like, well, then how could you hate Chugi? Like Chugi puts you on the map, honey. Yes, absolutely. So I don't know. I love Chugi. I'm going to call Chugi the word of the year. Yeah, Chugi is is definitely the word of the year. And I just want to say as well, I spend a lot of time on TikTok. I'm I'm definitely 
au fait with what the teens are like wearing right now and a lot of them look like shit so just you wait for like a few years time when there is a word to define whatever the fuck that is because I'm going to be all over it like a rash baby their interpretation of like Y2K style is so fascinating to me because it's like things that celebrities wore like like the band Dream I'm thinking of, which was like yes. Diddy's sort of girl group that he put together. Like they would wear like plastic tube tops and like no one in America wore those. Those were things that people wore in music videos because they were larger than life clothes and like video effects weren't as good then. So like they had to wear ridiculous shit, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, honestly, that really is what it is. It's like people were wearing plastic clothing because like you couldn't do what you can do. And they were, sh- the videos were shot on fucking film back then. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different, it's a different, it's a different vibe, but I'm always surprised by like, the looks that they've dug up. And I'm always extra surprised by how so many young people don't seem to understand that 90s style was like largely a revival of 60s and 70s style. Hell yeah. I'm surprised that Tina Knowles hasn't had a fashion comeback moment because this was right in her wheelhouse. The House of Darion. Oh my God. House of Darion jeans. Mm -hmm. So we find ourselves now in May. I know you're going to mostly take on May, but can I just say that I'm shocked. So we, Chrissy Teigen was at the inauguration of Joe Biden. As we all know, she was being very annoying. It was like all very difficult to believe that this is a woman who was sober as well, because I know she quit drinking before the inauguration after she had, I believe after she had lost her son, but Like she was she posted on social media in a way that I'm like, babe, if you're sober, like I can't understand. Right. But it was only in May that her comments toward Courtney Stodden came back up again. And Courtney had done an article. You know, they've changed their pronouns. They're they them now and sort of like really dissecting the trauma that they went through because I have always been very drawn to Courtney Stodden. Like I've always just been fascinated Same. with her as a figure. Mm-hmm. Cause she's so, it, it just was bizarre that this like 16 year old girl was married to this like absolute D list actor. Mm-hmm. Her parents like basically signed her, signed them away. And Chrissy Teigen spent a significant amount of time bullying Courtney Stodden. But I think the thing that really, was like the nail in the coffin for her was that she was sending DMs to Courtney telling them to kill themselves. <sighs> That's the wildest thing. I can imagine. I know that like Chrissy was wild out here on these Twitter streets for some time and has been and we've discussed her in the past and we've discussed that she probably isn't the sort of person who really should have a Twitter account with the level of like fame and interest that she has. She still behaves like like she like she doesn't have millions of people watching like the daily mail isn't going to quote tweet everything she says so like with with a certain amount of like with a certain amount of trolling i can understand why some of the tweets that were out in the open were out in the open because like you know it was it was it was a meaner time back then for sure people were very very incredibly mean to courtney and courtney was seen as this kind of figure of ridiculousness But, like, to actually go and, like, slide into the DMs and bully is, like, fuck's sake, Chrissy, you're a grown woman at this point. Like, why why did you do that? Well, like, any sort of 
surface level, like I was joking, but it was an incredibly tasteless joke. And looking back, I regret it. Any sort of that dialogue is completely out the window once you find out that it was going on privately as well. And Mm -hmm. whatever it is that would drive someone to DM something like that. I mean, it's bad enough when you see like stands doing it unconsciously to people like, you know, John Mayer or Jake Gyllenhaal, right? It's like, okay, calm the fuck down. Like also like Taylor's not going to pick you because you're doing this. She'd probably be mortified. Mm -hmm. But when it's a much more famous and influential person reaching out to a person who is maybe just barely not a minor and telling them, you know, that they hope they die, it's just on another planet. And so May was the beginning of her cookware being pulled from Macy's. This is when she started to lose a lot of her deals. A lot of brands like completely broke off their relationships with her. And she had tried a couple times throughout the year. I think, you know, she, we talked about that recently, but yeah, I mean, Kirsty Teigen as of, as of May, which is, it's crazy that it's that late in the year. Yeah, for sure. And as we know, she went away from Twitter for quite some time after this because there are some things that Chrissy will take a short break from, but this was something that I think was a bit of a gotcha moment for a lot of the people who really dislike Chrissy Teigen. So like a lot of the other stuff that she's done that may be contentious, there would still be some pretty strong Chrissy Teigen stands in the in the replies that would sort of stand up for her um, and reassure her. But I think this was a very difficult thing for those stands to be able to defend her over um and of course there's still freaks who are like people make mistakes okay we love i mean of course there's still like a few freaks that are doing that but this is just like indefensible yeah it was really bad wait this is actually one of my personal heroes grace (laughs) o'haran this is like this is one of the funniest best things that i think has ever happened on tiktok by the way yeah okay wait so Grace is this woman who she she got a house. I don't you know, I don't know. I'm assuming she bought this house or something. And we first find out about her because she's doing a little renovation on her bathroom. It's just going to be some like I think she was painting the tile initially. And she also was going to paint her cabinets in her bathroom like a green color. And You know, she had a little spill accident here and there, which led her to think, okay, well, why don't I just paint the interiors of both of these sinks with with paint? Why don't I just paint those green and then I'll just paint the all the handles on the like the hardware for the sinks. And then some of that dripped onto the floor that she had sort of unsuccessfully painted. So then she brought in some stick and peel tiles. And as soon as things would start to look like they were getting to a better place, like the next video would be like something much worse had happened. Like now there was a hole in the wall and now like, (laughs) you know, the the cabinets were falling off the hinges. It was it was kind of a nightmare. And then this article came out in which she shared that she had traumatic brain injury because she was hit by a drunk driver. She was she was drunk herself, but she was walking home from the bar responsibly. And a drunk driver hit and ran. And I, I've always wondered kind of if like the house came from the settlement for that. Mm. 
because like it's just so it's just so rare that like a young person especially one who's like going through something like this would would have the funds in this country to buy a house but this is famous in my family because I I took this article and I sent this to my cousin who I had wrongly assumed was also suffering from a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> like thinking that it would cheer her up and be like a sign of, you know, hope. Like even people, even people with traumatic brain injury can go on to be viral for creating a mess in their bathroom. Right. And that's how I found out that my cousin does not, in fact, have traumatic brain injury and that I must have made that up. Although, like, I'm pretty sure my theory actually, I don't know. Now I feel like she's gaslighting me and she does have a a traumatic brain injury. Well, you know what? My former landlord had a traumatic brain injury and bought the flat that I used to live in to rent out. And I went away and he moved into my flat and started living in it whilst I wasn't there. So, God bless. I know. But I was just thinking he bought the, yeah, he bought the flat with the money from the settlement, but he luckily didn't try and renovate the bathroom. He did use my cutlery though. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Not great. Wait, do you want to, do, do you want to explain Ben Affleck and Raya for me? I, I think I remember this story, but not well. Yeah. So prior to the big couples reunion of the year, I mean, it was a big, big year for love, right? Kanye and Kim break up and Ben Affleck and JLo get back together. But prior to that, Ben was obviously looking for somebody else. And he was on, do you say Raya? I say Raya, but I mean, potato, potato. Well, I mean, I say, I say Raya. I mean, I'm, I'm vowelly challenged. I'm from Massachusetts. I can barely talk. <laughs> but I may be wrong. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Raya. So this woman on TikTok uh, essentially got a message on Raya from Ben Affleck and didn't believe that it was Ben Affleck. Um, even though Raya is a place where incredibly rich and pretty people um, essentially go to date because it has a very um, stringent acceptance process from you what I hear. You can't catfish on Raya. I mean, like outside of maybe lying about what your current pictures are or whatever, like the whole point of Raya is that you can be Ben Affleck, get verified and go on there. You have to be very, I'm on Raya. I haven't opened it maybe ever. (laughs) I used to let like my drunk married friends scroll through as a gag at parties type thing. Nice. Nice. But the whole point of Raya is that like you are vetted and they know who you are and you're not going to see like, you know, celebrities on there that aren't actually the celebrities. So this woman gets this DM, doesn't believe it. And then Ben Affleck sends her a message. He sends her a DM with a video in like the most unhinged thing, (laughs) which is just Ben Affleck's close-up face to the camera saying, Naveen, it's me. (laughs) Naveen, it's me. (laughs) God, you know, Ben Affleck is like the biggest disappointment in my life. I'm not kidding because, like, he's a Boston boy. He's a hometown boy. Yeah. And, like, we just worshipped the ground he walked on. And, like, to be coming of age with, like, Matt and Ben was, like, so – I don't know. For me, I was, like, God, my life is really going to work out. Like, the hottest guys in the world. Like, I saw Casey Affleck at Radio Shack. Okay? (laughs) So, like, I was, like, you know, that was the beginning of me knowing, oh, Molly – Life holds massive things for you, okay? Matt and Ben are famous. 
you're definitely going to move to LA to do what we don't know. And frankly, I'm still figuring it out. But yeah, I mean, Ben Affleck is so, is so, stop fucking Ben Affleck. Yes. Yeah. I think Naveen was dirty for posting that video though, for real. I mean, but that's, I mean, that's like rule number me, one of Raya. You just wouldn't. Yeah. She's obviously not allowed on there now because she's broken all the rules, but I feel like if that happened to me, and of course, why wouldn't it? Because I'm gorgeous and Ben Affleck would slid into my DMs. I don't know why I'm on Raya because I'm married because I wouldn't be, but maybe I'm on your phone, Molly. Maybe I'm scrolling through, get a message from Ben Affleck. I would show that to other people, but not to the world, I don't think, because I think there's still like a code there. There is a, well, yeah, you're like not allowed to screenshot. I think they have a similar like reporting system the way that Snapchat does, where if you screenshot, like the app sees it, and I think maybe even the person can see it. But Um, but he did it on Instagram, though. He found her on Instagram to do that. Oh, yeah. He followed up. I mean, yeah. No, then that's his. That's on him. The other one this year was the Chandler. Someone swiped on Matthew Perry and then like called him like an old pervert when it's like, babe, you're on Raya, which is like set internationally. So because it's like, oh, you're so exclusive. You're in such an exclusive category that like you should honestly be looking outside of your country like you know I'm like over here matching with like Dutch photographers and shit like that right (laughs) because you're like okay like if you're on this app you probably have the resources to travel you know you're probably in such a limited dating pool but then it became a whole thing with like Dumois at one point where Dumois was like kind of just you know, a bunch of people being like, hey, if someone wants, I have Raya invitations, if someone wants to DM me. And it was, you know, the idea of it being on Dumois, like it completely undercuts what Raya is because someone who's going on Raya from Dumois is only really there because they either want to like disingenuously form a relationship with a celebrity or someone of power, or because they just want to snoop on it, which it, that's, I mean, that's supposed to be the point. It's supposed to kind of be like the Soho house of dating apps, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, say what you will, but I do think that like, it is kind of weird. Like, I mean, look at how Pete Davidson is with Kim Kardashian, right? If Kim Kardashian was on Raya, she could probably be with someone different. Yes. Like a diplomat. I want her to be with a diplomat. Yes. And I'll be okay, this cannot be right. So you put here, this is another one you put in. Elon Musk kills Dogecoin dream. So is this the, this does not when SNL happened for real? Yes. Yeah. So apparently when he did, he was tweeting about uh, Doge, but when he went on SNL and started talking about Doge, the price plummeted by like 30%. Oh, I know, because I, I was one of the many that got fucked. Like, I think the yes. day of SNL, I was like, I'm going to start buying, like, Dogecoin. Like, I'm going to see how this goes tonight. I totally missed the memo on, like, buy the hype, sell the news. Every single person, once they said live from New York, it's Saturday night, that shit dropped from 65 cents <laughs> to 31 cents. Oh, God. And I remember, like, watching it, and I had, like, my friend DMing me, like, did you get out on time? I'm like, no, I got in today. And I, like, once they said live from New York, it's Saturday night, I thought uh, my dumbass thought the price would raise because he was supposed to be mentioning Doge, like, throughout the episode. That's what everyone thought. And he did mention it during Weekend Update, but also kind of called it a hustle, a.k.a. what I think a lot of people would interpret to say a scam. Yeah. So... I cannot believe I got fucked just back in May. 
So. Maybe I have had sex this year. <laughs> With the Doge father himself. Elon Musk's baby daddy. No, Grimes' baby daddy. Claire's baby daddy. Fuck. Claire's baby daddy. It's been a long year. I don't know. I know. We're going to wrap up this episode and pick back up with june i do want to give a quick shout out to adrian's kickback if everyone remembers the party the sort of project exile party that happened on um in huntington beach so much happened in huntington beach it feels like this year but shout out adrian's kickback that was a fun thing for me to enjoy as an old person from the sidelines But yeah, we're going to catch up with you next week and you're going to hear everything that happened from June on. And if this episode held some surprises for you, you'd be surprised at how much of the newer news. I was more thrown by some of the newer news when I was putting this together with you. Yeah. All right. You guys have a good week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Girls, I don't know what you want to be, but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here 10, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Double G's on the left, double G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the ceiling, now watch it hit the floor. Now rag it up, huh? rag, rag, rag it up, king, bag it up, huh? bag, bag, bag it up, king, stack it up. Stack, stack it up, she said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way she was important, but I moved her right about the way Delta cheese tonight, told her baby I got cheese tonight Get a scholarship, I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow, like they tell her Shout out TurboTax, tax refund, what's another plan? Like the quarterback at recess, no rush And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission, no rush This ain't UT, white shirt, orange like a pumpkin Mama call me, ask me how college is Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.